Oh, don't you love him tonight? What a tremendous presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Oh, so thankful that we can come into his presence. What a rich, rich heritage we have as people of God. Because we're not the first ones to experience this. This is heritage you're experiencing. This is what it's like when two or more gather in his name. There's no way to number. Only God knows the number of church services and prayer meetings they have been since the church started. And how many, you know, I guess maybe that's what the writer meant when he wrote at the end of one of the gospels. He said, and if everything that Jesus has done could be written down, that even the books of the world couldn't contain it. There's no way uh, to to actually humanly record all that's been done and been experienced uh, you know, through the church age and through serving and knowing the Lord, being filled with the Spirit. But I sure am glad that it's been passed down and that we are benefactors of it tonight. I'm glad somebody stood so we could have this great truth tonight. Amen. Glad to be in the house of the Lord. Thank you, darling. Great worship song tonight. Thankful for that. Psalm 37, if you have your Bibles tonight, Psalm 37. And we're going to read 34 through 40. And let's remember to pray for all those that are um, out tonight. And let's pray they can get back into the house of the Lord soon. Excited about uh, Lane receiving the Holy Ghost on Sunday. The Lord willing, he's going to get baptized on Sunday. So, uh, man, we're looking forward to that. And um, just uh, love to see people being baptized and filled with the Spirit. Psalm 34, or 37 and 34. Wait on the Lord and keep his way. A lot of waiting. A lot of people think that just means sit around and don't do nothing. But he said, wait on the Lord and keep his way and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land when the wicked are cut off thou shalt see it I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a green bay tree yet he passed away and lo he was not yeah I sought him but he could not be found mark the perfect man And behold, the upright, for the end of that man is peace. But the transgressors shall be destroyed together. The end of the wicked shall be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. Well, we've said a lot about trusting the Lord lately. But tonight I want to go back to uh, verse 35. I've seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a green bay tree. Tonight I want to talk about this for a few moments. Where you are planted. Where you are planted. Let's pray for the lesson tonight. Jesus, we do love you and thank you 
for your presence. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your promises. Tonight, God, let our hearts be good ground to receive it. Lord, anoint these lips of clay for just a few moments that I might feed us with this great word, that we might be changed, be better, and surely be ready to meet you when you come. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. He's a great God. Praise God. You can be seated tonight where you are planted. Look at your neighbor and say, it matters. Matters. Because it matters where you are planted. And, uh, you know, it, it matters in this day, in this hour, there are a lot of people who have taken leave of the church. I'm not just talking about a local assembly or even a a building. I'm talking about they've departed from the church. It's um, one thing to say, you know, that, uh, well, I love the Lord and and I I know he knows what I'm doing. But you cannot separate yourself from the body and survive. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not talking about just staying out of a building. I'm not talking about just staying out of an organization or assembly, anything man-made. I'm talking about staying out of his bride. And when you begin to pick at the bride and badmouth the bride and uh, talk about how the bride is uh, not being the bride, I see a lot of people taking shots at the church in this day and hour because they uh, seemingly want to justify their departure. But the Bible tells me to not, not to touch God's anointed. I think that people would probably serve themselves a lot better if they would take their mouth off the church and just try to get back to the church and just live for God. Let me just give you this tonight. Uh, this is the way we were raised in the church. You, you keep your mouth off of the church, off God's people. You, you just, you know, you may not always agree, but you don't want to be caught just bad mouthing and running down and things like that. And and uh, the church is His bride. And if you bad mouth the church, then you bad mouthing Him. And just let me encourage you with this, that if the gates of hell can't prevail against this church, neither can their comments on Facebook. Yeah. I can tell you this, you won't be saved outside of the church. Who's he coming to get? The church. You ain't going to be saved outside the church. So it matters where you're planted. But in this day, we see a lot of uh, wickedness abound. The, the scripture says, in the last days, iniquity shall abound. And uh, because of that, the love of many would wax cold. We know that uh, we seemingly it looks like the wicked, as maybe David saw in this hour, that they're in great power. Uh, but don't let the wicked trees of this world fool you. Uh, theirs is a temporary show of power. 
In the verse 35 that we went back to where David said, I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a green bay tree, I wondered why he chose that tree. Uh, the wording there in the Hebrew means green and vigorous in its native soil. These trees in Palestine can grow to be 60 feet in height. They're evergreens. Um, they are very tall, very impressive, 60 feet tall. When it says spreading out, though, they're not wide trees, but they're tall. So the wording there actually means it's going upwards. So to view one of these trees, it would be very uh, awe-inspiring. It would be very impressive. I love trees. Trees are beautiful and and, uh, you know, a 60-foot tall evergreen tree is a, a beautiful thing to behold. They would take these leaves, the Greeks would, and make crowns for their rulers and for their athletes. They uh, were used in things like that. And um, their uh, size and their greenness seems to just boast and proclaim how magnificent that they are. And uh, so David... Uh, writing here, said, I've seen the wicked, and they remind me of this tree. They're massive. They're powerful. They're great. They're awe-inspiring. They're, they're just there, and you can't miss them. They, 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 when you see them, you can't help but look at them and think, wow, look how marvelous this is. I've seen the wicked like that in great power spreading himself, shooting himself upward, just like a green bay tree. David was envious, really, at the wicked. You see uh, people awestruck with uh, evil things a lot of times. It's not that they want to worship that, but it's just all, they're awestruck. John in Revelation saw the, the harlot on that beast, and he, he was just awestruck by it. And the angel said, what are you wondering at this thing so greatly for? And he began to tell him what it was. But, but Asaph, another writer in Psalm, uh, felt the same way about uh, the wicked. He said uh, it, it bothered him uh, the way they were. In Psalm 73, uh, he began to write that uh, he, he was about to backslide over their prosperity. In Psalm 73 and 2, he said, But you know, as for me, my feet were almost gone for my steps had well nigh slipped. The reason was for I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. There are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They're not in trouble as other men, and neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than their heart could wish. They're corrupt, speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore, his people return hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out on them. And they say, how does God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. And so he was bothered by what was happening in his time, what he saw. And, and if we're not careful, we could get bogged down and bothered by what's happening in this world. Why does it seem like everybody else is prospering? Why well, I'm, I'm fasting and praying and serving God and trying to make ends meet and people that don't even go to church at all just seem like they've got more money they can spend. They're not sick. They're not losing people. They're, uh, they're just doing their own thing. It looks like they're just boasting about it. Look at me. Here I am. 
this is what I've got, this is what I'm going to do. But it's temporary. The green bay tree will prosper in its native soil. And the wicked seem to have all the power and control because they are in their native soil, the world. The reason they seem like they're doing so well is because they are in their native soil. They're in the world. And in the world, they're going to prosper. And they're going to have things. And it's going to look like they are uh, turning the tide and gaining all the control. You know, in the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness, when you read the account in Luke, it's... uh, Satan tried to get him to bow down and worship. He said, I'll give you all these kingdoms, all this power, all this glory. He said, because it's delivered unto me to give it to whoever I want to as long as they worship me. And so if he could give it to Jesus, how many other people has he offered it to that have taken it, that they would just worship him and serve him? And it can be discouraging and it can be disheartening. Asaph went on to say, Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain, washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. And if I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against this generation of thy children. And when I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. It bothered me. It was discouraging. And David was discouraged over it. But he said, you know, even though I saw this, I've seen this wicked person. In his native soil, he's shooting straight up. He's 60 feet tall. He's massive. He's awe-inspiring. He looks like nothing could touch him or hurt him or, or bring him down. But only one verse later, the very next verse, yet he passed away. And lo, he was not. I sought him, but he could not be found. The things that they have in this world, the things that look like are going to set them up, listen, are temporary. And all the gain that you can get in this world is temporary. The Bible says the things that we can see with our eyes are temporal, but the things that we don't see yet, the things that God has prepared for them that love him, they're eternal. I've set my heart on the things eternal. And I don't want to get planted and rooted in this world because I think, wow, look how they're growing I'd like to grow like that. I want to make sure I know where I'm planted because I want to endure forever. I don't want somebody to look around and say, you know, I saw him doing good, but when I looked again, he was not. When I looked again, I could not find him. He, he wasn't there. He, 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 had, he just disappeared. He passed away, and lo, he was not. I don't want to pass away and then be not. When I pass away, I want to be found in the presence of the Lord. When it's time for them books to be opened, I want my name to be found in the Lamb's book of life. I I don't want to be sought for, but nobody can find me. I don't want nobody looking around on judgment. They're going to say, where is pastor? (laughs) I I want to be there. I want to be found. And I realize that uh, the things that this world offers, it might seem like it sets you up good for now. But the scripture says the world passes away and the lust thereof. This world is going to be, and all the things in it will be burnt up with fire. Everything is going to pass away. This world will pass away. 
Governments pass away. Positions pass away. Money passes away. Riches, honor, all those things pass away. I want to make sure I'm not trusting in those things. And even David said, now, well, I saw a great, great thing. But then as great as it was, when I looked again, it was gone. And it couldn't even be found. There was nothing there to testify that it ever was there. It was gone. You, somebody could walk by and say, I could never tell there was ever a tree here. I could never tell that there was anything here. And that's the way the wicked are. They pass away and they're gone. Don't get tripped up in this last day because you're envious. Don't let your steps start sliding because you're envious or jealous of what the wicked have. Sometimes the wicked even say they go to church. Be careful. Every church ain't preaching truth. Every church is not seeking the Lord. Some churches are seeking their own. Don't get caught up in things. And well, in that church they do this. Look how they're going. Listen, it matters where you are planted. Yes, 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 it matters where you are planted. And I want to make sure tonight that I am planted in the word of God, that I am planted in the house of God, that I am sticking with the truth of God. I want to stay with God Almighty. I want to stay with him. Asaph said in his psalm, when he, his description of what happened to the wicked in verse 19, he said, how are they brought into destruction as in a moment? They are utterly consumed with terror. He said, after I went to the house of the Lord, I began to understand some things. I realized that uh, when I got into the house of the Lord and I began to experience things that mattered. When I got into the house of the Lord where I saw your glory and your power and when I saw what you have to offer to your people, I realized you've set them up in slippery places. They won't always be there and their destruction is going to come in just a moment and they'll be removed. They'll be consumed with terror. He said, I realized how foolish I was to be upset over uh, what was going on with the wicked. I want to make sure tonight that I don't get envious of the wicked and that I don't start trusting in things that cannot help me. Sometimes people think, well, you get all these, uh, when you're just popular and rich in this world, you've got it all. But uh, Paul warned Timothy in 1 Timothy 6 and 17, he said, you charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. It is not wrong to have money. Some people are great business people and they have money. And Paul knew even in the church there will be people who have money and have things and nothing is wrong with that as long as that is not where their heart is. As long as they don't trust in those things, he said, because they are uncertain. But if they will just trust in the living God, he gives us richly all things to enjoy. The writer in Proverbs said, if you set your eyes on riches, you better just look toward the heavens because riches will make themselves wings and fly as the eagle unto the heavens. Jesus 
told his disciples this in Matthew 16 and 26, for what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What if you had the whole world at your beck and call? Would it be worth your eternal soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Is it worth being a green bay tree? Oh, everybody walks by and looks to see how well you're doing. And then one day they turn around and you're gone. And there's nothing there for them to even remember you by. You are passed away. People are searching for you, but you are not. I don't want to have the whole world in my hand and lose my soul. Because there's not enough riches in the world to save you. There are not enough riches in the world to make you holy. There's not enough that you could have. There's no power, no control. If, if you were given control over this planet, it could not save your soul. You couldn't hire enough people to figure out a way to do it. You couldn't have enough money to buy your way into heaven. Nothing could get you in there. It will always be only the blood of Jesus that will get us there. And we've got to trust in him. When we have great riches, that's, hey, if you've got them, praise God, you've got them. But riches do not make it easy, and it does not ensure success. The prodigal son took his inheritance, left the father's house, and suffered greatly. He took what he had gotten in the father's house, but he uprooted himself. And he went to a soul that was not uh, conducive for him to plant himself in. It would not work. He couldn't take what was uh, from the father's house into the world and make it grow. If he had riches and money, why couldn't he have invested it somewhere? Why? Because you know what? He, got, he consumed it on his lust. He got out in the world and people started saying, wow, a green bay tree. Look at here, everybody was his friend while he had the money. Everybody was his friend while he had the riches. But listen, he lost it all. It just, he continued to deteriorate from the time he left the father's house. When his foot left the edge of that man's property, he was on his way down. He was not going to have any, he wasn't going to be bringing money in. He was only going to be bleeding it out. The things that he trusted in, he thought, I can just go and be saved outside the Father's house. Let me tell you, you can't leave the church and believe you're going to prosper. You can't leave the church and think you're going to survive. You will wither up and die. Now, we could read this story and we could say, here's another ending, here's another ending, here's another ending. It could just be a tragedy. That he died with the knowledge of the father's house on his heart. He didn't have to come back. He could have just died, lost, alone, away from the father's house. He could have just withered up, spent everything. He said he wasted his living, it was gone. He didn't have nothing left. And he could have just died, depleted, but knowing that in his father's house, even the servants had had bread to eat and to spare. He could have died knowing. And let me tell you, just because uh, and people can fool themselves with that knowledge, 
that God, I said this the other day, people say, well, God's so good. God is loving. God is kind. He's, he's long-suffering. He's merciful. Yes, he is. And that causes people to take chances with their eternal soul. They are, are you know, I, I'm not a gambler, but hey, they're rolling the dice with their salvation. Thinking I can just stay away and do what I want to do. It ain't about, hey, if you're staying away because you're sick, I understand that. I'm, I'm not saying that, that people, if they uh, have that, if they, they've really got this fear that's gripped them and they, they've made a decision, I just can't get out. My health won't allow me to get out. Okay. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about quarantining. I'm talking about separating yourself from the church. And that's what has happened. The, it might have started out as quarantine, but it has ended up in separation from the church. Because when you look and see the things that the people who have not made it back to the house of God begin to post and put, you'll understand there's something else going on. When they can go everywhere else but here. Hello. When you can go anywhere else, when you can still go on vacation, but you can't go to church. Oh, well, I better move on. I'm telling you tonight, it matters. Where you find yourself planted. And now this is where I've said enough about the wicked and the evil and all that. That's, that's fine. Here's, here's where we'll change up. But I can tell you this. I don't want to be a green bay tree. And so David said after he said, I've seen him in great power, seen him exalting himself. He passed away. He's not. Then he says, mark the perfect man. We need to find out who is successful in this world and mark him. Notice him. Take heed to what he's doing. Find out why he's got a good uh, heritage. He said, the end of that man is peace. Mark the perfect man. Behold the upright for the end of that man is peace. The word perfect there does not mean he is without fault. It means he is complete. So Mark the complete man. He's the total package, ladies. He's going to be the one who's serving God. He's going to be the one living his life right. He's going to be the one loving and cherishing and being kind and tenderhearted and forgiving. He's going to be the one that, that fears the Lord and seeks him out. He's, he, that's who he's going to be. Mark the perfect man. He may not look like the green bay tree, but I'm going to tell you who he does look like in just a minute. Mark the complete man. Now, Paul said in the New Testament, in Colossians 2 and 10, that we are complete in him. It matters where you're planted. You will never be the perfect man planted in the world. You might be a green bay tree. You might exalt yourself and have all kind of worldly recognition, but you'll never be completed by this world. That's why Jesus told the woman at the well, keep drinking this water, you'll always come back. He's talking about the water of the world. He said, but if you'll take what I've got to give you, you'll never thirst again. You'll be complete. You'll fill that gap, that hole that's inside your soul that you can't seem to fill up no matter how many men. You, you had five husbands, the one you're with now, not even your husband, and you still... Coming to the well. People still going to the well. Oh, but when you get planted in him, you are complete in him. 
He's the head of all principality and power. I want to be found in him. Come on, somebody. I am complete in him. I can't change that. You can't change that. We can't say I've got my own program and I've completed myself. You can't complete yourself. Only Jesus can complete you. We're supposed to be an example. David said there are people in the world, you can mark them, you can behold them, you can watch them. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. We need somebody today to be found in him. That's the complete person. You know what complete people do? They fall flat on their face sometimes, but they repent and they get up and they keep going. They don't throw in the towel and give up, but they keep trusting in the Lord. Don't think, well, the perfect man is somebody who never makes a mistake. Oh, man, don't you know that God figured in our stupidness? Don't you know he figured in our humanity and our flesh? And he said, so here's what I'll do. I'll give you repentance. I'm long-suffering. I'm gracious. I'm kind. I'm loving. But the only cure for that is repentance. You've got to come and humble yourself and confess your faults. And if you'll do that, I will forgive you if you'll... Uh, turn from your wicked ways and seek my face. I'll hear from heaven and I'll heal your land. Let me tell you, God is never about throwing us away, but he is about us being better. It matters where we're planted. I don't want to get caught up trying to uh, shape myself like the world and, and, and because it looks like they're doing so good. Let me tell you, the church is doing good. Regardless what a lot of people want to say about it, the church is fine. Hey, it's full of people that's imperfect. It's full of people that make mistakes. But it's still the church that he's preparing. So don't get caught up in this thing. Hey, let's, let's rag on the church. Let's beat up on the church. Let's talk about the church. I'd be scared to talk about something that Jesus is building. He said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. You may not like the way he's building it. You might not like the material he's using, but I'd be quiet about it. I wouldn't be broadcasting about it. I wouldn't be like those guys in Nehemiah's day. Well, even if a fox runs up on the wall, they'll knock it down. What do these feeble Jews think they're doing? And there's a lot of people say, what does this feeble church think they're doing? Hey, you know what I'm doing? I'm sitting back watching Jesus build the church. He's building the church. He's building the church. I want to make sure that I'm found in him. Now, trees are used as... Metaphors for people all through the scripture. Isaiah 61, we know that, that, that chapter. It's what Jesus read when he was in the uh, temple that day. It was a, written about him. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach, to bind up, to loose, to heal, to deliver. All these things he began to say. And then he said all this because in Isaiah 61, 3, we are the trees of righteousness. The planting, not the cutting, the planting. A lot of people will cut branches and display them and they die. But the planting, I want them to have root. I want them to be fed. I want them to grow. And I want them to produce. They're going to be trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. So David, in contrast to the wicked, being the green bay tree that is planted and prospering in its native soil, its soil of wickedness. He said, 
But I, Psalm 52 and 8, but I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. In the house of God. A lot of people have really been upset and taken issue with people quoting the scripture as we begin to open back up that we forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, especially as we see the day approaching. A lot of people don't like, they've been upset that we've used that, but church is essential. Church is vital for the body. And even David, all the people that, uh, the, the, the man that people love to, to quote and love to say, I'd love to be like him, said, listen, I am a green olive tree in the house of God. I, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. He didn't say, I, I might be like a green olive tree or I could or should be or want to be. He said, but I am like a green olive tree. I am growing. I am well. I am producing. Uh, yeah, I, there, I, I am bearing fruit. Uh, I, uh, that, that olive that, that they use it to crush to make that oil, that anointing oil. Come on, all the things that we get at. He said, I am a product. I am a tree of righteousness. I am a green olive tree in the house of God. And he said, I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. Now, I told you a few little things about green bay trees. Well, let me tell you a few things about olive. Why does David pick olive tree? He could have said, I'm like a, a green. And he, I'll show you in a minute. He mentioned some other trees later, but he said, specifically in the house of God, I'm like a green olive tree. Now, olive trees can grow anywhere from 10 foot to 40 foot. And they can grow as wide as they do tall. So that's a, a 40 foot tall olive tree and a 40 foot wide. That's a big tree. If you've never seen those olive trees in the Mediterranean in person, now they are something to behold. They are they're huge. Here's some things about olive trees. Right now the longevity of olive trees is amazing. Right now in Israel we saw them. Uh, they are olive trees that are dated to be over 2,000 years old. There are olive trees in the garden of Gethsemane, and they're gated. You can't even get to where you could touch them unless you really reach through the bars. I'm not going to say who has a few little pieces of bark, but somebody in this sanctuary does. And, and so does Kenny, by the way. Uh, but we saw those trees, and they, are, they said that these date back to the time that Christ lived, 2,000 years old. They start bearing fruit at five years of age. And right now in Croatia, there is a 1,600-year-old olive tree that is still bearing fruit. 1,600 years old. Remember that old tree. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it again in a minute. They can bear up to 400 pounds of olives a year. 
the trees are described like this. They are referred to often as trees that don't die. Really, trees that don't die. In Tuscany in 1985, there was a great frost that came through and it destroyed many of the old productive trees that were still bearing fruit. And they thought they had lost everything. But they said in the spring, they saw new shoots begin to appear. And they began to remove the dead wood. And they became new. Old things have passed away. They became new fruit-bearing trees. Trees that don't die. David said, I'm like a green olive tree in the house of the Lord. When we saw those, those trees in Israel, Kenny and I, we were looking at one of them. It was wider. You couldn't wrap around it. It was, it, But it was, it was just pieces of wood. It was split and broken, and, and it was the old. The, the old dead wood was still around it, but there was a hole in that bark, and you could see the new tree inside of it coming up. And I began to think, I said, you know, Paul said, though the outward man perish, the inward man is renewed daily. You could see the years that that tree had endured, but you could still see that life inside of it. Let me tell you, it matters where you're planted. Hello, somebody, it matters what soil you find your roots in. It it matters where you're planted. Trees that don't die, David said in one place, I shall not die but live. I'm going to live. So so here's what what really gives me. I thought about this today while I was writing this down. So trees that cannot die. If you thought about it right now, where is the first place you remember reading in Scripture about anything from an olive tree? Anybody want to throw it out there? Noah's Ark. That's the first place you'll read about anything about an olive tree. After the entire planet is completely covered in water, completely covered in water. Those trees weren't sticking up above the water. Under hundreds of feet of water. And when the water began to recede, that dove was able to find a branch from that olive tree. Trees that just won't die. Long before Paul wrote it in Romans 8 and 39 that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, Solomon wrote this, Many waters cannot quench love, and neither can floods drown it. Oh, come on, somebody. It matters where you're planted. We're talking about two kind of trees and the way they prosper, but one of them disappears and is no more, but one of them's got everlasting life, for the gift of God is eternal life. It matters. The whole subject matters. In what soil are you planted? Mm-mm-mm. The gift of God's eternal life. We might suffer, but we will continue to grow and we will produce fruit. 
He said, I am like a green olive tree in the house. The bay tree is in the world. The olive tree is in the house of God. And that's why the prodigal son could not prosper, with, even with what he had from the Father. Well, God can fill you with the Holy Ghost and wash your sins away, but you walk away from his house? Hey, if that wasn't a thing, what's all that? It matters where you're planted. He uprooted himself and he began to die, but you know what he did? He returned. And his thought process was, in my father's house, how many of his servants? In. They were servants, but they were in that father's house. They were in his service. They were under his protection. And so he made sure they had bread enough and to spare. He says, how much more uh, if I go back? And so he goes back, and he goes back to being in the father's house because the father had to go out of the house and leave the celebration to go tell the other son, hey, get in here. <laughs> this is your brother. He was dead, and he's alive again. He's lost, and he's found. This is, and we ought to be making merry. He's back in the house. Your brother's in the house. He was out of the house and he was about to die. Now he's back in and we're feeding him and nourishing him and covering him and restoring him. I'm so glad it matters where we're planted. Okay, here's another one. Psalm 92, verses 12 through 15. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree, more trees. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord. Should have titled this House Plants. Those, not our house. Thankfully, y'all have quit giving us plants. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the court. Flourish in the courts of our God. Now, remember that old 1,600-year-old tree? He planted. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat. You know what uh, uh, olives are known for? The fat they have. Fat and flourishing to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm thankful. I'm glad where I'm planted at tonight. It matters where you're planted. I don't want to be a green bay tree and everybody go, wow, look at him. And then me just, but I want to be in the house of the Lord. I want to stay with God. It might get rough. We may have some old bark showing the years that we've had to battle and had to survive. But, but though the outward man perish, the inward man is going to be renewed day by day. In Jeremiah uh, 17, uh, 7 and 8, he said, Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord, and his hope the Lord is, for he shall be as a tree planted by the waters that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when heat comes, but her leaves shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. It matters where you're planted. It matters today where we are planted. Psalm 1, uh, the whole, I was going to read one verse, but the whole, just, just read it. Blessed is the man, because I want you to notice this little word. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel 
of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. But the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. The ungodly shall not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish, and you will consider them, and they will not be found. Just like David said, I looked, and they could not be found. Honey, you can come on to the music tonight. I'm getting ready. Uh, to in these trees, every one of these trees you read about, uh, it mattered where they were planted. And everyone that was planted in the house of the Lord, that was planted in the house of God, that had his trust in God, that um, was planted in the law of the Lord, flourished, was blessed, was, was prospering. The Bible says, hey, look, don't love the world and don't love the things of the world. For all that's in the world, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of eyes, the pride of life, that's not of the Father. That's not what you find in his house. That's not what you want. And he says, and the world passeth away and the lust thereof, but but those that do the will of the Lord shall abide forever. Stand with me. The great thing about the prodigal is that that return, that he was able to get planted back in the father's house. And man, Hosea, the last chapter in Hosea, God talking about Israel's call to repentance. Hosea 14 He said, O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Take with you words and turn to the Lord. Say unto him, Take away all iniquity and receive us graciously, so will we render the calves of our lips. Asher shall not save us. We will not ride upon horses, neither will we say any more to the work of our hands. Ye are our gods, for in thee the fatherless find mercy. The Lord said, I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, for my anger is turned away from him. I will be as the dew unto Israel. He shall grow as the lily and cast forth his roots as Lebanon. Listen, his branches shall spread and his beauty shall be as the olive tree. Oh, man, it matters where you plant it. He said, I'll make them beautiful, as beautiful as the olive tree. Just like they never left my house. They'll be like that green olive tree in the house of the Lord. I'll make them as beautiful as the olive tree. Oh, I'll tell you tonight, it matters where we're planted. I, I, listen, this world ain't got nothing. It may seem like we're being tried with fire sometimes in the church. But trial of your faith is more precious than gold that perishes. It matters where you stay planted. You don't leave God's house and you don't leave God's church. That's two different things. The house of God and His church, that's 
the church inhabits the house of God. But you can't be saved outside of either one of them. And his house can be wherever we dedicate it to his name. I know that. But this world has caused people and this, this pandemic thing has caused people to make excuses to stay away from this house. But you want to know why you keep making it through? Because you stayed with it. Don't, don't ever think, oh, it's because how spiritual you are. It's because you were faithful to the house of the Lord and faithful to His church. Let's come and find a place and pray tonight. And We're in the house tonight. Let's ask God to water us in this house. I want to be like a green olive tree in the house of the Lord. Come and let the Lord work on you.
Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, I'm so thankful to be planted in your house. I want to be like that green olive tree. There was one other thing about olive trees that uh, I didn't mention, but I read as I was studying is that one of the things that will have the most negative impact on an olive tree is it's not an insect it's not the, the weather climate you know that they don't even need water a lot of times they can, they can go for just without water their roots are so sturdy and vigorous they, just, they don't really even have to have the water that a lot of plants have but it said one of the worst things that can happen to an olive tree is neglect if they're not cared for and I thought when I read that the scripture says and how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation so I don't want to be a tree a non-fruit buried olive tree I want to be like a green olive tree I want to pay attention to this great salvation that God has given. God has purchased us with his blood, filled us with his spirit, made us bone of his bone. I mean, we're his body. We're his bride. I don't want to neglect it. Like, well, I've got something that I don't even have to pay attention to it anymore. Stir, I heard Brother Woodward preaching today, stir up the gift that's in you. Stir it up in you. Stir it up in you. Peter was saying, stir up. Uh, I'm stirring up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Get stirred up. Make sure that we are uh, doing the things that God called us to do so we don't get stagnant, so that we don't become you know, uh, fruitless. I don't want to be fruitless. So pay attention. That there's a parable. The master of the vineyard said, Man, cut this thing down and get it out of here. It's not bearing fruit. Three years I've been coming here, nothing. So why is it just taking up the ground anymore? It's just taking up space. And that guy said, let me dig around it. Let me fertilize it. And let's see what happens. It took somebody to pay some attention to it so it could begin to produce fruit. So you make sure you're fertilizing. You make sure that you're rooted and grounded in the faith, in love in the Lord, in his house. And you make sure you are pouring in to what God's given you. You fertilize it with prayers and fastings and in the word of God. You make sure you do that. And you'll be like a green olive tree. Praise God. I'm thankful for the Lord tonight. Aren't you glad where you're planted tonight? Give him a hand clap and a shout. Praise God. I'm thankful for him tonight. I'm thankful for him tonight. Praise the Lord. We'll see you Sunday, the Lord willing. Pray for those that are sick. Take care of yourselves. Be well. And let's come and have revival on Sunday. Amen. God bless you in Jesus' name.